Well, this week, Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp all went down for like five hours. I don't know if you were aware of this, and quite frankly, the world could not stop talking about it. For a brief moment, productivity in the workplace and in the school system, it jumped up, and anxiety in the lives of people who just really rely on these programs also jumped by the same measure. We saw a really interesting thing happen when those things went down. I think probably for the first time for some people, they had to find another way to occupy their free time. I'm imagining that some people actually read a book during this time, not just Facebook. They were reading things for the first time. Now, there was one company out there that was loving this development, and I'm not sure if you know who that was. It was Twitter. Twitter loved this. I don't know if you use Twitter. Not a lot of people do use it the way they used to, but Twitter was working just fine. And all of a sudden, hundreds of thousands of Facebook users and Instagram users, they set up Twitter handles again, and they started tweeting. And do you know what they tweeted about? Facebook being closed, and Instagram being closed, and WhatsApp being down. Now, if you're not social media fluent, which I'm not really social media fluent with all of this, I use Facebook and Instagram not well, Um, WhatsApp apparently is just a messenger program. I'm probably simplifying this far too much, but that's what I understand it to be. Now, some of these tweets and posts that went out there, they were hilarious the way they were talking about Facebook. Now, I wanted to share a few with them that I think would really apply to our situation here as believers. So here's a few of them. First, like this thing was a great one. Facebook might pay down, but this book won't ever go down. Maybe it's time to get your face in these pages. You can put a hashtag on that. You guys want to post Instagram stories? He wants to write your story. We talked about that last week. You guys want get what's, can't get on WhatsApp? Maybe it's time you say what's up to the Lord in prayer. These were some hilarious things. They're cheesy, I get it, but they're hilarious. It's interesting to see the response of people when something that they've become reliant on has become such a huge part of their life stops working. I'm sure there were parents who were thinking, please let this continue to stay down, even into dinner time. Like, this would be so great if this would not work, which, by the way, they got it up back by dinner. Facebook, we cannot have families talking to each other at dinner. Seriously, this is a struggle we have. Somehow, it has become this new struggle of people who don't, don't even look at each other while they're eating dinner, right? They're looking at their phones. They're doing other things. It, in, for families in the United States, the dinnertime tradition has really begun to disappear, right? They say that only about 30% of families, 30% eat dinner together. That's less than a third, just under a third, right? Sit down and eat dinner together. Now, when I was growing up, we always ate dinner together, right? We always sat around as a family and had a meal. It was this time to come together and talk and just take time to talk about our days, to, to share about what was happening. Now, listen, I didn't always like the meals that we ate. And as I got older, right, as I got older as a kid and started to have more busy things happening in my life, it faded away and we stopped having time to be able to do it as, as frequently. But today, I try to continue to do that with my family. 
We try to sit down intentionally every day and have dinner together. And we connect in what's normally what is a cluttered and busy schedule. Now I will say to you that we try to talk about our days and what has happened. We say to our boys, like, how was school or daycare? And they're like, it was good. Like, that's the, always the answer is good. And then we say, like, they complain about food. And we say, well, you got to eat it anyway. And then we, they ask to get up from the table when they're done, like, inhaling their dinner. And we're like, no, you got to sit here until we're all done. Right? We're going to talk. Like, I want to talk to you. Please stay. It's not perfect, right? But we do it because it's important to spend time together. Now, the truth is, guys, that we learn this from God. We learn this because God wants to share a meal with us as well. Now, I know you may not believe this because you're probably thinking, well, God doesn't eat. God doesn't need to eat. Well, that's true. God doesn't need to eat. He can, he can survive without food. But, but Jesus came to this earth, and Jesus did eat. And Jesus did need to eat. And he typically did not do this alone. He did this with other people. You can see the Bible shares story, story after story of Jesus just setting together with his friends or with his disciples and all kinds of other people. You see, you're invited to the table. That's our big idea today, is that you're invited to the table. And why did Jesus want to do this? Why did he want people at his table? Because sharing a meal is an intimate and a personal experience. Now think about it. Where do we typically go on a first or second date, right? We go to dinner. We take somebody to dinner. Because that's an intimate experience where you can talk over food and enjoy each other's company. And truthfully, you can also see if someone's just a disgusting eater and you're saying, I'm out. Right, this is a reality. But this is a thing that we do because it's intimate. Every week on Tuesdays, Kevin Smith and I, my bestie, Kevin and I, we grab lunch together. We go out, we get lunch. And, and on a rare occasion, it's just the two of us eating. Sometimes that happens. But for the most part, we bring food back here. And then we sit with other staff around a table and we eat together. We have lunch. We have a meal. We tell bad jokes. We share our life. All around sitting around what is normally a conference table and eating lunch. This is just what we see over and over from Jesus in the Bible. When we eat together, we share something that has been shared over thousands of years. Honestly, look all the way back to Genesis. Go all the way back to Genesis, and we can see how God put food on this earth as something for us to, to have and to please us. Right here in Genesis 1.29, it says, Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. God created food for us. And listen, I love food. I do not hide this well. Okay, I love it. There isn't much I don't like. I'll give you a few of them. Carrots, mushrooms. You guys, that's fungus, right? That grows on the ground. Like, I get it in my grass when I don't cut it enough, okay? Mushrooms, avocados. I do not like avocados. I don't know why you all eat that. Tomatoes. I don't like tomatoes either. Olives, and I do not like oysters or clams. And that's it. Those are the lists. It's short. And everything else I'll eat. I will eat any, I'll try anything else. I love food. 
I love it. Now, see, in the Bible, we see narratives of families setting and sharing a meal together. We get to see this throughout the Bible. From the Passover meal, right, that we see to the Last Supper, meals have been a time where people are called to engage with each other, to kind of sit down and share a moment in brotherhood and sisterhood. And when I think about it, setting at the table is, is and eating around the world, that's what humans do. So we're not all great at some things, but I can tell you about one thing we're all pretty good at is eating. We're pretty good at eating. And this is one thing, sitting and sharing a meal together, it's one thing about almost 8 billion people share in common, is that we often sit in groups and eat. That's what we do. It's necessary to life. It's vital for social connection. The word company, the word company, the word we get actually comes from a Latin word, companio. Companio, which actually literally means one who eats bread with you. So when you talk about having company in your, with somebody in your company, it's about, it's about eating together. See, this is what Jesus was all about, being in company with people. The meal wasn't important. What was important was who was at the table. And here's the truth. You're invited to the table. Now, we're going to read a story today from Luke chapter 14. So I want to encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 14. Pull it up on your Bible app if you've got one. If you don't have a Bible and you'd like one, you can go to the hub out back. We've got those available for you. We'd love for you to have a Bible because we want you to be in God's Word. And if you're watching online, you can pull it up on your phone or on your computer and, and go to Luke chapter 14. And Luke just writes a story or a gospel which is about Jesus' life. And so he's sharing this story. It's going to take place over a meal. And so here we can see that Jesus is sitting and eating with a Pharisee. Now, a Pharisee was, for those of you who don't know, was a religious person who believed that the way to salvation came through following all of the rules and laws of the Jewish faith. And you had to set these prescribed rules and, and run them perfectly to attain salvation. Now, while he's at this house, Jesus tells them that, that it's not the rich or powerful that they should be inviting into their home, but, but the poor and the cripple and the lame and the blind. And he's saying, these are the people you should bring to your table. And so upon hearing this, a guest at the table, he decides to say something a little witty or a little bit challenging that leads Jesus to tell a story or a parable that better illustrates the point he was trying to make. So we're going to pick up in chapter 14 and verse 15, here's what Jesus says. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. So we get to see this story, right, begins this story talking about a great banquet. And now Jesus often described his kingdom as a great banquet. And we don't use banquet very often, right? We don't use that word a lot, but it's really just a fancy dinner party. It's just a dinner party that you have, and, and parties are a lot of fun. And so that's, again, why one of our core values here at White Oak is fun. 
We like to have fun because we believe that's what God is encouraging. Honestly, these were the kind of party that Jesus was talking about. And a lot of times these parties were an exclusive party. You had to be invited and not everyone was. It was this meal where a select group of people, they had been told like they can come and everybody else is left out. And the thing is the Pharisees understood what this meant. They got it because this was the Jewish faith to them, a faith that said things like only those who have been selected who do it our way and come from our background can get in. I think we've all been there a little bit sometimes. I challenge you, we select a group of people that we wanna associate with. People we call friends and family and those are the only people that we let into our circles. And so for the most part, our banquet table is filled with people who look, act, and believe what we believe. I mean, seriously, how many of you regularly eat with people you just don't like? Doesn't happen very often. We don't spend a lot of time with people of different racial backgrounds than us, people who believe different political ideas than we do, those who support causes that are different than our own, people who don't follow the Bible, right? They don't even get an invite to our table. Well, Jesus is gonna go on in this story, so we're gonna pick back up here in verse 18. He says, but they all like began to make excuses. The first said, I have just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. And another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. And so Jesus says that there's those who are invited guests, people who've been invited to the table And they start saying they can't make it. Now again, this was the Pharisees and Jewish leaders that he's talking to when he shares this story. Jesus had come to present them with the invitation into his family, the invitation to his table, and instead they rejected his teachings and his ideas and his truths. They all just kept giving him excuses for why they couldn't do it. Now, the truth is, you and I have been invited to the table as well. We've been invited into relationship, into full life in Jesus. And sometimes we have excuses for why we don't want to do this. What's your excuse for turning down Jesus' invitation? Is it because this isn't a good time in your life? Is it because maybe once you get further into your work or your career, then you'll have time to follow Jesus. Maybe once your kids get old enough to learn about God, then you can can start coming to church, right? Maybe, Maybe you might be saying, look, Jesus, I'm really glad you're inviting me, but I'm just wanting to be focused on me right now. So I'm gonna go out and do my own thing. These are the excuses that I think Jesus has heard and will continue to hear. So look what happens in the story. Look what he does. So the servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, 
the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. See, in the story, the host starts inviting the lost and the broken, the sick and the weak. Those who you would never expect to be invited to this fancy table are invited to the table of Jesus. And I'm sure the Pharisees were shocked, right? But Jesus' overall point of this story is you are invited. You are invited. You don't think you should be invited to this party. Only you are. Jesus says the normal people you would assume would be invited, the A-listers, the powerful, the religious elite, they're not coming. But you and I, you and I are invited. Listen, you may feel like you're never invited to anything. You may feel like this is just, I don't get invited, I don't get included, I'm always left out. And here's the interesting thing. If you look close at this story, you'll see that not a single group of people was left out. No one, no one was left out. Everybody was invited. Not even the Pharisees weren't invited. They were the original people that Jesus invited. They were the ones, the religious elite that originally he said, listen, come along with me. But they wouldn't accept it. They turned down the invitation. So Jesus moved on. See, your part doesn't matter. Your status doesn't matter. Your skin color doesn't matter. Your adherence to these perceived religious traditions, they do not matter. Your appearance, your health, these things don't matter. Your finances don't matter. Jesus says you are invited. You're invited to the table. This is what Jesus was about He wanted all people to be part of his family. And see, this is where neighboring, being a good neighbor, comes into the conversation. Because Jesus says our mission is to bring more people into the family of God. And he talks about that we do that by inviting them to our table. And so in this way, our tables are full and people will be brought into relationship with God. This is what we're called to do. The question we've got to ask ourselves is how do our tables compare to the table of Jesus? See, our table should be an environment in which relationships can begin and conversations can start to move people from their table to his. See, this starts right in our families. We need to challenge our husbands and our wives and our children and our brothers and sisters and even our parents, right, to make intentional time to start to share a meal together. Sit down at the dinner table. However big or small your table is, right, eat and more importantly, talk. Talk to each other. Talk to your family about your day. Talk to them about where you saw Jesus. Start today. Start right now today at lunch. Go to lunch together. 
I'm giving you permission to go eat lunch together. Go buy lunch if you need to. Go to lunch together. Maybe you're listening to this today online. Maybe you're watching online today. Or maybe you're listening later in the week, right? You're listening to the recording of this. You can start tonight, to dinner tonight or tomorrow night by having everybody put their phones away and just sit and talk and eat. Listen, if you can't cook, and not everybody can, okay? I'm not the greatest cook in the world. Go out and get takeout. Go out to a restaurant. Order a pizza, but just sit down and talk. Then start to think about how your table can be a place where other people feel welcome. We don't always think of those people in our lives that aren't like us or not in our inner circle when we think about eating. I understand where this is coming from. We don't always want to hang out with people we don't normally spend time with. But I want to tell you, challenge you, start thinking about how you can branch out your table to other people. This week, go and make a moment to have a meal with someone you don't normally have a meal with. Maybe it could be you could start eating lunch with another kid who goes to school with you who who normally sits by himself or herself and eats. Maybe ask a coworker you don't normally spend a lot of time with to grab a coffee with you one morning. Invite a neighbor over for dinner. Grill out. Go to a local park. Grill out with some friends and some people and then just start inviting people you don't even know to join you. Grab a meal with some teammates or work coworkers after work or after a practice or a sporting event. Go out and share time together. And it doesn't have to be difficult or profound conversation. I'm not asking you to solve the world's problems at dinner, right? You just talk about their life. I mean, remember what we talked about last week, this whole idea of listen to their story. It's, if nothing else, just Take some time to get to know them enough to know more about them and learn about where they're coming from. This is that idea of company, that word companio, right? It's about breaking bread with someone and listening to their story. See, Jesus wasn't afraid to sit with the lost and the sinner and the tax collectors and the, and the people who were sick and crippled and like had leprosy. And he was definitely not afraid to sit and eat with people who are hungry for more than just food. See, the point is just to make the invitation. And I know you're going to think I'm crazy when I start to tell this to you, but we're only like 12 weeks away from Christmas. Isn't that weird? Like 93.3 is going to start playing Christmas music in about three weeks, all right? Get ready for it. Get your Christmas decorations out. I'm giving you permission to put them up in October. Okay, And Christmas season is where we see many people in our lives who probably wouldn't be open to it, be open to the invitation to come along with you, to come to a meal with you, and to come with you here to church. So I encourage you to start praying about and thinking about who that is that you're going to invite. And I want you to think about inviting them to come along and be here with you during our Christmas series. Our Christmas series kicks off on December 5th. Ask them to come with you every week of our Christmas series. Don't be afraid to invite them to our table. 
Now, you might be listening today and you don't know what you think of this whole faith thing, right? You might be saying, I'm sure I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm invited to the table because I'm not really sure Jesus wants me there. And I want you to hear me say that he does. He does want you there. Jesus wants all people to experience full life in him. And there's no guest list out there that doesn't have your name on it. Just like in the story he told, we're all invited to the table. You are invited to the table. Jesus knows you have a hunger and a thirst for something more and something bigger than the things that bring you pain and anxiety in your world. I mean, he reminds us that we are all thirsty and we can come and drink and be nourished. And what gives us true nourishment? He actually says this. Jesus said in John 7, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. See, the life this life, this worldly, earthly life will offer you many things that they say will bring you joy and fulfillment and satisfaction. Things like popularity, things like sex and drugs and power and money and fame and influence and popularity. I think I said that one twice because people want it. Instead, all of these things, the pursuit of these things will bring you stress and pain and struggles. Jesus instead offers the true things we need. And what are they? Bread and water. As, honestly, as much as I love food, what we need from Jesus is simple. And Jesus offers that through two things, love and grace. He provides the daily things we need to experience full life in him. See, don't let your misconceptions about who Jesus was or who he accepts stand in the way of this. And listen, if you're, trying to, you're ready to make that decision to step into full life and be part of Jesus' family and come to the table because the invitation has been made to you, and I want you to choose to do that. Make that step. Say, Jesus, I want you in my life. And then choose to be baptized. Choose to be baptized. Make that commitment. In two weeks, on October 24th, we're going to celebrate baptisms at both of our campuses, in both services. And we want to celebrate this like the banquet Jesus talks about, the festivities that he talks about. Because God celebrates this type of thing, we want to celebrate with him. And so we're going to celebrate baptisms the way we haven't done before. We're going to celebrate those of you who've been baptized and those who are going to choose to do that on October 24th. And you want to hear, I want you to hear me say, you're invited. You are invited to this event if you've been baptized, and if you're ready to take that step, you're invited. Reach out to me. Reach out to Kevin. You can email us. Reach out to us, and we can talk to you and sit down and just have a time to figure out what baptism really means, what it means to have a life of following Jesus. And how you can be the, in the family of God. 
See, Jesus offers his tables to others, but most importantly, he offers his table to you personally. He wants you. Those of you who are listening online, he wants you. He has a place for you. Pull up a chair. Put away the excuses which have kept you away from him, kept you at arm's length, and just come to the table that he set for all of us. Accept the true water and the bread of life that Jesus offers, not the nourishment that the world will offer you and that will never satisfy, but the bread and water that bring about full and abundant life. Accept that. Guys, we're moving towards a day when we will all be sitting around the table of God. But Jesus said the true water of life came from him and would fill us all. So now it is our mission to invite others to our tables so that we can help them drink of this full life that Jesus offers. Jesus is saying, please, won't you be my neighbor? You're invited to the table. And the truth is, Jesus did this often. And the ultimate table that Jesus offered to each of us started in an upper room just outside of Jerusalem. I mean, in this room, he sat with his disciples, right? And he, and he was about to be taken away. He knew his life was about to end. And they had a meal together. A meal that at the time, the disciples really didn't understand. They didn't know exactly what he was saying or that this would be the last time they would with, be with him. Yet this meal is where we remember the sacrifice each and every time, each and every week, when we take our communion and we remember what Jesus did for each of us. So I want you to take your communion out right now. Take it out. Open it up. You of those that are watching at home today or you're listening maybe later this week, I would encourage you to go to your kitchen and get some juice or some crackers or bread, just something that represents this moment. So take that out. And in the scripture it says, while they were eating, Jesus took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, this is my blood spilled for you. Take and drink. Today we take this communion to remember all that Jesus has done for us choosing to die for our sins, choosing to take that cross, facing death, and then walking out of that grave 
to secure our eternal life. And through all of this, he set the table so that we could one day join him for a feast in heaven. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your, the sacrifice of your son, Jesus, Lord. We just thank you that each and every week we can come together at the table of your son and we can remember the sacrifice that he made for all of us so many years ago. Father, we just ask you that we are not afraid to invite those people who are not like us to our table so that we can begin to help them experience full life in you. Give us the courage and the fortitude to go out and make that invitation known to all those around us. Thank you for your sacrifice. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.